When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I feel the need to shoot a movie, uh, I got to say. Uh, but if it becomes, because it's literally, it's, it's shooting a movie, it kind of feels easier now after done eight hours. I, I spoke, like this is the first time Mark wrote for TV. He's only been uh, writing for uh, movies. And we both been like, wow, doing a two-hour movie now is easy. <laughs> I, I believe it's, it. It's nothing like dealing with eight hours is, 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 is a crazy pressure. everyone and welcome to episode number 18 of the fourth wall i am your host griffin schiller and this is the show where we break down the fourth wall of the film industry as we get an inside look through our conversations with industry professionals ranging from directors actors you name it this show is of course part of the playlist podcast network where you can find the rest of our diverse film-centric show catalog whatever your fix is we got you covered over there given the state of the world right now streaming services have been absolutely killing it and one of the more notable ones is Apple TV Plus. While a lot of the platform's content was met with a lukewarm response right out the gate, it hasn't prevented the tech company from continuing to collaborate with A-list talent. They've already joined forces with such talent as M. Night Shyamalan, Steven Spielberg, Jason Momoa, Jennifer Aniston, and many others. In Apple TV Plus's latest drama, Defending Jacob, the streaming service tapped Academy Award-nominated director Morton Tildum to helm all eight episodes of of the series. And it just so happens that Tildum is our guest for this episode of The Fourth Wall. One of the great things about Defending Jacob is how Tildum was able to assemble an all-star cast to bring to life this adaptation of the best-selling novel. However, what was important for Tildum was casting these actors that we're so used to seeing in roles that we haven't seen them in before, which is why we're seeing Chris Evans' Captain America himself playing a more complicated father and district attorney who's dealing with some moral and family dilemmas, and even grappling with his own past demons as well. In fact, that's something that Tildum has strived to do throughout the entirety of his career, and it's what makes his character stand out. Now, many of you probably know the Norwegian director from his Academy Award-nominated film and the film in which he was nominated for Best Director for The Imitation Game, starring Benedict Cumberbatch. You also probably know him from the Chris Pratt and Jennifer Lawrence sci-fi film film Passengers. And while Tildum has had great success with his feature films, he's no stranger to television. The director actually helmed episodes of Amazon Prime's Jack Ryan and stars his counterpart and excels at bringing a cinematic sensibility to the format. And with Defending Jacob, he does it again as that sensibility proved to be critical in constructing the visual language of the series. We talk about how he used the atmosphere to emphasize character drama and specifically look to some of his favorite adult thrillers 
such as Michael Clayton, Mystic River, and many others, along with one of cinema's most influential voices to shape the feel of Defending Jacob. We touch on that surprise casting choice in the series without giving anything away, whether he prefers the binge model versus week to week, the future of the theatrical experience, and much more. This was an amazing interview, and it wouldn't have been possible without my good friend Zach Pope, who helped conduct the interview. He did an excellent job, and you guys are really going to enjoy this experience. Tildum is seriously one of the most genuine guys, and his passion for cinema and the material really seeps through in this interview. Seriously, guys, if you aren't watching Defending Jacob, check it out. It's a really solid mystery thriller that'll keep you locked in week to week. But enough chit-chat, let's get into this thing. Here is our conversation with director Morton Tildum. Uh, Morton, how are you doing today? Um, I I mean, this is a crazy time, but I think this is the perfect time for the show to come out so we can all start kind of watching and keeping ourselves busy. Yeah, no, it's been uh, it's been very fun. We we uh, opened at uh, midnight, mm-hmm. so I started the day by reading through uh, Twitter. Nice. And, uh, it, it's uh, it's pretty amazing when you we uh, so far the the response has been really good. But it's 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 uh, it's it's kind of when you don't have to open a movie in a the theater and you don't you know usually you love sitting there in the theater with the audience and you get the audience reaction. So now going through like social media is sort of like the only way you can sort of like get the immediate audience reactions. Yeah, totally. And I mean, and that kind of just dives into the, like the first question I really have for you is like, what is the difference in filming TV and movies? I mean, you've made passengers imitation game, which I, I love both of those. I have so much fun with all those and the atmosphere you're able to build inside those worlds. Um, how do you plan out the story and develop it into eight episodes compared to a movie? I mean, it's, it's, it is, it was very different and it was, this is the first time I've done uh, not TV, but it's the first time I've done, you know, eight episodes, directing eight hours of something, which is a pretty crazy undertaking. It's, uh, uh, I promised myself to never do it again when I finished. <laughs> and now I'm like, yeah, it's my, my, my <laughs> I'm going to do it again. But it's, yeah. it's and, and that's kind of how it is. in like the moment you're like, Oh man, I don't know if I would ever do this again. It, it was worth it. But like, do I really want to do it again? And, um, I mean, that's kind of where it goes to, are there any challenges or advantages you have with those eight episodes? Because I can imagine you have more time to tell a story and flesh out these characters. Oh, for sure. And it's, it's the, the, the advantage is that you really get to work with this. And, then, and I can't praise my, my cost enough. I had this amazing actors uh, that came on board and to really work with them. And there were so many uh, very character-driven performances, uh, scenes, which, uh, so that was, that was so Fun to actually have that. That's in a, in a movie. You have four or five key scenes, which are you know, and, and but in this there was like all these long, great, well written dialogues in which you and to actually do that and direct that was was a blast. Yeah, that, and, I, and, and I can imagine. I mean, uh, me and my girlfriend sat down to watch this show, and we we're like, we'll watch an episode here and there. No, we binged the thing in like one sitting. But each episode, we sat there discussing it. Like, is this what's going to happen? Obviously, I don't want to get into spoilers when people uh, talk and hear this and pretty much watch the interview. I don't want them to kind of sit there and be like, oh, I I don't want them to spoil. So we're not going to get into spoilers. But um, I really, like, it was just the way that you spiraled out this mystery. What aspects did you plan out to leave this feeling of the unknown? How do you continue this while on set in general with the creation of everything going on? I think I, I a lot of thank you first of all, uh, but I think that 
to tell the story. What we discussed was point of view. To be mm -hmm. really, uh, said this is going to be, we're going to want to be really close with this couple. Uh, and we wanted to leave their son up to be a mystery in the Enigma, which we, we want to, as the audience, guess what he did, what he did not do, as much as the parents has to do. Mm -hmm. And uh, we wanted sort of like the world to really revolve around these two and be allowed to see their secrets they have for each other and, and how it evolves. And that's, that's how I feel. It's, 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 a, it's sort of like a study of, of, a, uh, of a couple being thrown out of you know, the deepest water and, and having mm -hmm. to deal with sort of like every, every parent's nightmare. Mm -hmm. uh, that's, this happened to our son. And, but not only do we have to fight for him being innocent, we have to figure out what actually happened. Yes. What are we actually dealing with here? Yes, and that's the most intriguing part of it, man. I mean, you did such a good job of directing that into each episode. And again, like I said, like after each episode, we sat there going, well, did he do it? What are we missing? And we felt like we were in Chris Evans and Michelle Dockery's shoes. Oh, I love hearing that because that is what I hope to do. And we're deliberately sort of like wanted to not slow it down, but we wanted to sort of like say, okay, we have eight hours now. Let's really try to be with these people. Like if, mm -hmm. we, if we were doing this as a movie, it would be uh, a lot more plot driven. It would be, okay, we'll take all the twists and turns because there are a lot of surprises. There are twists and turns in it. But, you know, a movie plot will sort of like focus on that. But now we can actually stay with them. We can have those, be witness to those conversations they have when they go to bed, their fear, the anxiety, uh, how they're trying to build it, pick each other up. I mean, so, so uh, that's wouldn't be interesting now to, to, that's, that's the beauty of TV. That's the, something that TV can do more so than movie. You can live with these characters. Totally. And you really feel like you were with this family. You feel like you're in Michelle Dockery and Chris Evans' shoes. And that's kind of the thing I want to get. What is the process of casting the likes of Dockery, Evans, and even Martell? I mean, for me, they, this is so different than, they, than something they've ever done before. And the way that you're able to play the story with them really was interesting to me. No, I, I love, I think when I, when I go out casting, I'm, I love to find actors. I want... The, the uh, I don't like to find uh, actors say like, oh, he's the obvious cast because you've seen him do something similar before and he's done it great. I really try to find actors that that hasn't really done this kind of part before. So this is sort of like the first time they're 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 playing this kind of uh, character, these kind of emotions, and, and doing this. And and uh, uh, I think it's it's challenging. And I and I can't praise Chris, Michelle, Jaden. But also, you know, Cherry, Pablo, uh, Pablo Schreider. And, and uh, so, so it's, it's, it's uh, you really needed to believe in this family and you fully believe in them. And, and as a couple, they become so, so real. And it's something we worked a lot on. It's like, as a, as a couple, you have sort of like a physical language. Like mm -hmm. when you come into a room, when you leave a room, how you touch, how you do it, like how you have something that feels very familiar. And so, so, and they, they really worked really hard and that's sort of like to make this feel like, okay, we have 17 years of history together. And, and you feel that, I mean, and you go and say that like, you like to pick actors who normally don't do these things. And I've seen that through all your different filmography, like everything you've done so far, you can see that with you pick certain actors who it's like, I could never imagine them there. But now with, I see the movie and I'm like, I can see that. Um, someone you did mention though was Pablo Schreiber. This guy is gigantic. I mean, that, there's one scene in particular between him and Chris Evans, and I'm like, he's that tall? Uh, I mean, you, that was a great casting choice in there as well, man. No, thank you. And Paulo is so good. And he's, he's kind of both 
because he's sort of like become he has sort of like has the antagonist part in, yeah. in a way, which there's a twist too, but we're not going to really reveal that. Mm. But there's there's we di- we didn't want somebody who sort of like he's you really believe that he is it brings a lot of humanity to it, uh, which it does. And also, I like that he's physically imposing because mm-hmm. Chris is a big guy too. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a fit, strong guy, and uh, so there's something about having this imposing man, uh, even if there is they're dueling, you know, in a courtroom. Uh, oh, yeah, totally. It, it was it was very interesting to to do that, and, and that was also Pablo's approach to the character that I'm playing someone who think he's doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. And and I like that because you kind of get to see everyone's angles in here. Like there's not one frustrating character where you're like, ah, oh, come on. Like, how can I get behind your logic? But you can, because if you put yourself in everyone's shoes, you can see all their different perspectives. And that was such a great way that you did it. Now, Michelle Dockery though, does such a phenomenal job in here as well. There's something about her though, in between her and Andy who, um, or Chris Evans' character, Andy, when they are looking at all the evidence, she doesn't see the, seem to look through rose-tinted lenses. How is that something that you brought about and developed within her character? I mean, her journey uh, as a character is maybe the one that differs the most from the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, because the book is written from Andy's, uh, Chris, char- uh, Chris character's perspective. Everything is like his point of view. Uh, so we wanted to sort of like split that into two. So it's, it's from both parents. And we we made her arch slightly different uh, than it is in the in the in the, uh, in the book, and it's so understandable because it's here's what it is. you have sort of like a uh, your conditional love for your child is sort of like a prison because you you see I will do anything for my child but what what happens if what you're willing to do for your child goes to the moral compass what actually as a human being stands for and what do you feel is right and wrong and if there's a conflict between that and uh, your unconditional need to help and protect your child what the clash between those and that is something that that's called i should as a mom or as a dad or as a parent i should protect and do anything i can to free my child no matter what mm-hmm. but what if he really did it what do i do then and that's the intriguing thing. So I have a question. What would you do if you were in her shoes? Would you rather be, would you be more like her or like Andy? It's interesting. And I want, I don't know. I really don't know. And this maybe what's draw this to me. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a single dad. I have a 12 year old son and uh, who lives with me. And it's like, I'm worrying about him. It's, it's like a full-time occupation for, mm-hmm. for me. Isn't that every, every other parent? And uh, it's, it's very interesting. What, uh, it, kind of one that what really drew me to this this project was to actually just play with the fact like what would you actually do mm-hmm. and uh, and i hope that's what people will discuss afterwards that you watch this and then you sit you watch it with your teenage kids or you watch it with your partner and you think about what would you do what's right what's wrong yeah and that's something i was doing i was like if we had a kid, what would, what would you do? Like, and I, I love that so much. Now I have one more thing to talk about casting. Of course, we're not getting to spoilers. You did cast someone as Andy Barber's dad. I did not know who that was. I'm keeping that away. Cause I want that to be a big surprise for people. Um, that casting choice was fun, just fantastic. And I thought what you did with the dad's character in here was actually better than the book. How do you feel that you improved part or improved upon in this part from the book? I mean, a lot of that, some of that really came, it's part of the writing that Mark did. And it's also something that, that uh, this actor, I was about to mention yeah. again, which 
it's it's the second time I've worked with him, and he is one of our big American actors. Which yeah. it's it's it blows it, it blows me away every time he's is you put him in front of the camera, and it's, it's magic happens. It's, yeah, it's, absolutely. It's, he it's, he sh- he shows up, and I go, oh my god, real they got him perfect that that's yeah, no, so he's, perfect he, in there he brings he brings a authority to the uh to the, to the screen which is which is pretty amazing but he brought a lot of humanity which i i really love that there is this character who is so hard and so had done so many bad things and at the end he's just kind of like a very lonely man who's at the end of his life and really wants to have a little bit of connection to his family and yes. it's and I, I really loved that part. And, and I think, I think, and it's, I, this is very kudos to, to Mark's writing, Mark Bombay's writing. So, so that I think all of the characters are very humane. I think even if we have someone who is a registered sex offender, who's a pedophile mm-hmm. and which is also played beautifully. Uh, and it's, yes, there's something creepy about him, but it's also something very sad. And there's also something, kind of understand that this is i mean when we when we approach it it's like that i wanted to say like he's a victim himself yes so so and that's the approach which is also i I don't believe that people are genuinely bad or evil it's like we just you know uh, a lot of us are just victims of our circumstances and and trying to humanize people are something that's important for me and i i like to think that we've done that to with all the characters here even the people who are against our heroes uh, you can sort of like relate to them and understand them. You you do such a good job in that, in that relatability. And again, you mentioned certain characters that are like, in a typical fashion, maybe even in a movie format, you wouldn't be able to kind of side with them. But in a show format, you're able to really expand and again, add to this world and this atmosphere of these characters. And um, I thought that was just so unique. Now, with a book, you do have a blueprint for the show. Now, how did it go about in building this world's atmosphere? Because I thought that was like, the key thing for this world was the atmosphere, feeling like you're with this family and bringing it all to life. I mean, uh, Jonathan Freeman, uh, who's my DP, uh, which uh, has done some of the most amazing work in TV with uh, like Game of Thrones, Absolutely. Sort of like Empire. Uh, so we sat down and I said, the, my only approach to this because my background is movies. So I have to, you know, so I, I said, these remind me of some of my favorite movies like Mystic River, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Clayton. Uh, there's there's some these movies which are character driven and intimate and have this really this atmosphere, this like dark atmosphere to them. So we watched we watched a lot of this, the Ice Storm. Uh, we watched a lot of these films, and we sort of like tailored a lot of our visual language around movies we love, and said let's go in and create sort of like a movie language for this, uh, and not look necessarily to typical TV. Um, and, and that's how it's more like came on. And, and we did, we created some rules. Like we, we lit a lot for the, uh, we made interiors kind of a little bit dark, a little underlit. So the, it's, the camera's exposed for the outside, which creates the feeling of this lock trapped inside, which is mm-hmm. relatable now because we're all trapped inside. Um, and there, you know, we shot a lot against windows and silhouettes and framed people. A lot of, I, I love a lot how Bergman shoots uh, interiors. He stacks his characters it's very, it's like it's, you, you feel, uh, you, you get a lot of reactions, like people are acting with their back towards them, uh, the other actor, you, you, it's like very interesting, like how you compose 
uh, actors in the in the shot, mm-hmm. which I which I feel very inspired by him. And uh, you see, there's some of the there's there's some scenes. In, I think it's episode six. There's a kitchen scene which I love, and all in every shot you see all three actors. They're all stacked. Either you see one of them is reflected in the window. Ooh. You see a little bit like they're all in each other's shots. They're all connected. Yeah, thinking about that, that is very true. And when you talk about the kitchen in general, the house feels like a character of itself as well, since yeah. it's like they're trapped in there. And there's some nice like parallels to prison and with the media and everything that kind of plays around there. But you mentioned that now. And now I'm thinking back and there's there's a, some particular moments where um, Michelle Dockery is just making food and you can see Jada Martell in the background with Chris Evans just talking and it's so subtle but fantastic work on that like just making me think back now I, I didn't notice that at first but now I'm thinking back no, I'm like, you see that, yeah. this, is, this is something and this is something which Burma has his background from, from theater they added to his movies and there's all these these characters are all performing in the, or all existing in the same frame because they're all trapped together in the same frame so you will see that a lot of the shots they are all in each other's frames and, and they're all, they're all in perspective. Mm-hmm. Now coming onto the project, had you read the book? And if you, if you did, were there any items that you wanted to add upon from the book or maybe change just a bit to add to the mystery of the story? I mean, I, I came on board, uh, Mark, Mark uh, contacted me, Mark Bombeck and uh, asked me if I wanted to read uh, a draft he had of the first episode, which I loved. And then I read the book. Uh, and uh, we, and we talked a lot about it. I think what, what we discussed the most is how Jacob. In mm-hmm. the book, he, I feel he's more troubled. I and agree. I feel that if we, if we, in a book, you can be allowed to that because you, it's easier to create doubt on stuff in a book because if the character doubts, you doubt because you, you're reading it from mm-hmm. perspective of somebody. In a, in a, movie or in a series like this you have to be a little bit more uh, delicate and balancing it and i think you wanted jacob to feel very relatable so that is something we wanted to change and then of course i don't going to say anything but especially episode eight uh there's there's some big changes for how yes. we're actually having it uh which we did on purpose because another thing is we wanted to bring up like how can you move on with something how much are you willing to accept like this this like kind of like the pact you make and it's like we're never going to talk about this again we're mm-hmm. we're, we're both going to accept lie like the, the lie is a big theme throughout the whole thing absolutely um and noticing some of those changes from the book um i i have to say i actually really liked the choices that you made with jada martell's character because it actually made you i felt like the mystery spiraled a little bit better and you said like coming from a book to a movie a lot of adaptions i feel like maybe stick too close to it and and at times it doesn't leave that much of a mystery up because a pay, a book and a movie are com- or a book, a movie, a show are completely different. The, but I will say I love the ending. And I think that is where a lot of discussion will be had is that final episode, um, which really puts a lot of perspective in there. Now with these, um, what were some, like, um, what were some of your favorite things that you kind of brought from the book that you were really excited to kind of adapt? Look, uh, I mean, the the uh, the um, I mean there's, there's, there's so many it's kind of hard because the book has has the atmosphere of the book and the actual character we really we brought there and and what we what we what we really wanted is that that sort of like these parents are clinging to that that hope or that belief that he is innocent that was that's you know that's what the whole book is about in many ways. 
So, so, so we did that, and uh, and we stole the whole uh, like the also in the book, the grand jury hearing is sort of like the uh, the uh, the framework of the whole story is told to this this uh, grand jury, and, we're, and we took that, and that actually worked so well as sort of like a you know the uh, the now of the story. Mm-hmm. This is actually Andy telling. I mean, the whole most of the series is actually flashback. It's Andy mm-hmm. sitting at the grand jury at you telling what actually happened and it's pieced together and how it plays. This is something we took from the book already. In, in, in I mean, uh, the episode is like he does something. Uh, he does something, uh, and his character does something in, in the beginning of episode two. Mm-hmm. Uh, he disposes of something, and you think that's going to be a big secret. Then right after you have this in the grand jury area where he actually talks about it as yeah. if something that everybody knows. And you, you kind of like really fuck with people's perspective of where in the story are we and what is the secret, what is known. And that is, that is literally from the book. And I really love that kind of like you, people keep it a little tiptoe because it's, 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 uh, it's, it's, it's playing with people's perception and, and, uh, and, and, and how, information is coming and, and that is that is beautifully done in the book and that's we really adapted that mm-hmm. and you adapted it so well because it really again spirals this unhinged unnerved like mystery that you're just on the edge you're like thinking what is going on what is going to happen next and um i i wonder do you did you think um andy barber is an unreliable narrat- narrator uh, do you think he's an unreliable narrator like through the whole entire show to the book like as he's telling this do you think there's any place in there where he maybe fibbed just a bit um to I- kind of shift the perspective definitely uh, and i that's something we're kind of it's actually a challenge you actually put the point on something that we've discussed so much and it's kind of hard for us to go because chris is so relatable and you mm-hmm. really immerse yourself in the character so you want to believe him but he's also lying he's sitting there in the grand jury and he's literally not telling the truth yeah so we were discussing like will people understand that he is now actually lying to neil that he is not telling the truth and will that how confusing that will be? But here's the thing: we decided that okay, we we it's for fairly smart people, and they will figure it out. And and uh, and uh, that he's actually telling one story to uh, Neil, the grand jury hearing, and then you will see one story. And it's and also he's he's another thing is that he's also lying to himself a little bit. Yeah, he's we're showing things that he's obviously there's obviously doubts with him, but he cannot go there. He can he has to lie for himself. Like I, there's absolutely no doubt. I am so sure he's innocent. I will do anything for it. And it's uh, it's but he's always we feel and see that he's lying there. So again, the lie the lie and living with a lie and how that impacts us is a huge theme throughout the whole series. Mm-hmm. And the way that Chris Evans is just able to emote those feelings, the frustration, the contemplating, um, there's multiple moments throughout the show that you just framed so well and directed so well that I was just like, man, I can, I just feel like I'm in his shoes. Like he's just like, did my son do it? Did he not? I want to protect him, but I need to know. And there are multiple moments where he just outbursts and I'm just like, you know, this isn't Captain America anymore. I mean, even in the first episode, you, you don't, he just disappears into this role as Andy Barber. And it's easily one of his best performances ever. Oh, uh, thank you. No, I, he's phenomenal. And also he was so passionate about this and mm-hmm. brought so much to it. Him, Michelle, and, and also then, I mean, here's the thing, when you're shooting uh, the TV and you're trying to sort of like have like a movie quality of it, it's the, the 
you shoot is like crazy. Mm-hmm. And I could not have done it if I didn't have actors that were so prepared, so engaged. And there were so many discussions. So when we actually came in shooting it, we kind of like all knew where we wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And uh, every, everybody was so on it. It was, it was so much work they did to prepare. We, I mean, we had days where there was like so much dialogue. Like we shot all of the grand jury uh, uh, in three days. And there was like every day, there was like 10 to 13 pages of dialogue to <laughs> remember. And it was so much. And, it's, and, and they were just so prepared and we just got through it. And not only was it, they, you know, they remember it, but they, you know, all the different layers of when do, when do we tell the truth, when do we lie, what is this actually happening, all the intent here. So I, I, I had the best, my best experience from this was definitely working with these mm-hmm. phenomenal actors. Well, and I can feel the passion coming off from you about this show. That makes me even more excited to kind of go back through and uh, rewatch some of the episodes now. The, I, I want to know, how long did it take you guys to film and pretty much create the whole entire show? What was the yeah. shooting process? We shot, uh, it was shot uh, about 110 days uh, uh, in Boston. Okay. Uh, or actually, in the, so we shot it exactly where it happens. Like in the book, Cold Spring Park, which is the phenomenal name, mm-hmm. Cold Spring Park. It's like it screams, somebody should get killed in Cold Spring Park. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> it's, uh, the name screams murder mystery. But uh, Cold Spring Park is a real park. That's it, it's where it happens in the book. That's where we shot the actual murder. That's where we find it. It is, it is actually in that place. We shot in the neighborhood that's described in the book. Uh, so we tried to, not that it's a, it's a, we wanted to be true to the book because where it happens, this is kind of like, it is a privileged area. It's like everybody goes because it's so safe. Mm-hmm. And we actually say that. This is supposed to be the safest place possible. How can this happen? And this is also part of what's interesting to happen because it's, is this is not so bad. This is not supposed to happen to us. It's not supposed to happen to our son. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's sort of like becomes more unthinkable. It's such a, you know, middle class safe part of the United States, mm-hmm. where where and that's and that it's so interesting to 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 explore this when everything falls apart and all the cracks comes up, all the lies comes up. Um, so so yes, we wanted to. So we shot it on location a lot. We shot it in Boston. And then we had five days at the end where we went to uh, Mexico and shot oh. the, uh, the Mexico part. Oh, perfect. And, and you really like, again, um, just such a great job. I, I'm like really blown away by this show. Like I, I went in so excited. And sometimes when you do that, you get your expectations so high. But I was really like so engaged throughout it. And I'm wondering, do you, do you prefer the binge format? Do you like the release the week to week? Because I do kind of wish I watched it week to week so we could have had better discussions. And I've, I've told my girlfriend, I'm like, we got we got to just watch this show again, kind of just go through each episode and digest it a little bit more. But it was so hard to put down. And I know Apple is uh, releasing it week to week. Well, today's three episodes and week to week. And I think that's such a smart format. I love that. I think that I'm actually so happy you love it because I can see that for a lot of people having to, you know, binge all of this. I, I can see that some of it, it's, it, it can be overwhelming because it's, it's so much. I would have struggled to go to binge watch. I'm not a binge watch type. So I like to, to portion things out. I love to do two, three episodes, and then take a break. It's kind of like, the, but that's me. Uh, a lot of people like to binge it. But I think that I'm glad we're having three episodes out so you can really, you know, feel what the show is about. 
And I think that by teasing it out week by week, there will be more discussion about every episode. Because every episode brings out a theme. There's something specific about each episode. Uh, like episode five, we find out all these, what's happening online. Uh, all these things are happening, which is a, you know, what do we know about our kids, what they're actually doing on yes. their, you know, phone and on their screen, which you never know. And so, so I, I think there's some cliffhangers which we would love for people to, uh, like the cliffhanger between seven and eight. I can't wait for people to see seven. Yeah. And they're going like, what the fuck? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they have to wait. So, and uh, not just click on next and see see it. So, so I, I actually think it's a good it's a good format. I think it's uh, hopefully it spark a lot of conversations. Mm-hmm. And it feels interactive. Like that that's the thing. Like my parents are very excited to watch this show now, mm-hmm. and um and I'm excited to kind of have this discussion with them week to week. Um, since I've already seen the show and. It, again, it's that interactiveness that I love. And I like that Apple is actually taking, again, the week-to-week format because I feel like when you have a binge show, it comes out, people talk about it that first weekend, and then they stop. This keeps the discussion yeah. going over the next couple of weeks. And um, it makes people kind of want to dive into it just a bit more. Now, with this being your first venture into streaming, do you prefer it? Do you have plans for more things on streaming platform? Do you want to head back more to the theaters once theaters start opening back up? It's uh, it's um. Um, uh, I don't know yet. I do have some plans on the uh, something, and also there's 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 limited time you can be on set. That's the that's the biggest problem with like several episodes is that it's so time consuming to direct. So there's also things which I hope to produce, uh, which I'm setting up. Uh, but as a director, I don't know. I my I feel the need to shoot a movie. Uh, mm-hmm. I gotta say, uh, but if it, it becomes because it's literally, it's, it's shooting a movie kind of feels easier now after done eight hours. I, I spoke, like this is the first time Mark wrote for TV. He's only been uh, writing for uh, movies. And we both been like, wow, doing a two hour movie now is easy. <laughs> I, I believe it's, it. It's nothing like dealing with eight hours is, 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 is a crazy pressure. So um, yeah, no, I, I, I would love to, but if it's going to be for theater or swimming, I don't know. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens to theaters after this. It's, uh, and also, there's a kind of, I gravitate toward kind of a little bit more complex stories with characters which are a little bit more gray. They're, in, they're not real good or bad. They're in that gray zone. And I think that's, that's more complex stories. It's getting harder and harder to put in theaters. That's sort of like what the streamers are, because then, so so if it becomes for a streamer or it becomes a theater, I don't know. It's I hope it's for theater, but uh, I'm also seeing that a lot of the more complex stories now are being told to the streamers. Absolutely. And so, like, just leading into the final question, you did say something. I had a different question, but now I want to ask you something else. Uh, I'm curious. So obviously with this being your first show, you have two movies that I, again, imitation game and passengers. If you could turn one of those into a TV show or a streaming, what would you have rather have had it be? Which one? If I should make them into streaming or yeah, into like an eight, eight episode arc of a show instead. No, I, I think both of them really should be movies. Okay. I, I really, I, there's something about seeing a full, this is something which I hope, we, that's why I hope, I hope we don't lose movies sitting through one story told to uh, in two to two and a half hour mm-hmm. is a great experience. 
you share that experience and then you leave it. Seeing it like you have to come back is like there's, there's something I, I don't I don't think movie will disappear and I hope it won't disappear. Um, I do think limited series is sort of like the cinematic novel. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I do a novel and I make it into a TV, uh, like a feature, you have to make really hard choices. Yes, you have to sort of like put everything, the plot and everything together, and it's uh, and there, there will be some things you can't you cannot go into. With a limited series, you can really deep dive and sort of like do a novel more justice. You can sort of like cruise with it. Mm-hmm. So, love- uh, yeah, so I think, I think there's, it's, it's, it's a very interesting format, which we didn't have many years ago. There was not no. a lot of like limited series like this, which are like filmmaker driven, which is not, you know, by episodic directors and has a filmmaker who, who, who is actually making one story told over several episodes. And that is going to be a lot. I think it's going to be something that's going to come more and more because it is a very interesting format. Mm-hmm. I love but it. I love time, it. Yeah. But at the same time, I hope the future will continue to exist and that they will be allowed to see that on in theaters. I do too. I mean, I used to go to the movies like when the movie theaters were open, I'd go like four times a week for either yeah. press screenings or in general, just seeing movies. It, it, it was my favorite thing to do. And uh, thank you so much for joining me for this discussion. It was great picking your brain, discussing defending Jacob more. And I can't wait to see the discussions that a lot of other people have with it. I really enjoyed this. Thank you so much. Well, there you have it, guys. That was our conversation with director Morton Tildum. Seriously. One of the nicest guys, and you can just tell how passionate he is about storytelling. And that was one of my favorite parts of this interview. Tildum and Planet of the Apes trilogy writer Mark Bomback have really crafted something great here that's keeping a lot of us engaged and guessing through quarantine. And Chris Evans gives an unbelievable performance. Really, the whole cast, but Chris Evans is... is shown here in a way that we haven't seen him before so seriously guys again if you're not watching defending jacob give it a shot it's on apple tv plus the first four or five episodes are available to stream now and new episodes come out every friday i want to give a special thanks to my good friend zach pope again go check out his youtube channel and the reviews he's writing just type in zach pope reviews tell him i sent you he crushed it with this interview and i couldn't have done it without him so thank you again zach for this but the most important thing is we want to hear from you all and we want to know what you are watching during quarantine, what movies, what TV series, all that good stuff. Are you watching Defending Jacob? We want to hear all about it down in the comment section of wherever you're listening to this episode. Be sure, as always, to subscribe to the Playlist Podcast Network on your podcatcher of choice, whether that be Apple Podcasts, Spotify, whatever, because you won't only get new episodes of The Fourth Wall, but you'll get the rest of our amazing film-centric show catalog with shows such as Indie Beat, Be Real, and much more whatever your fix is we definitely have you covered over there and if you want to go a step further and you really want to make my day and you want to make me happy it would be amazing if you left us a rating and a review as it greatly helps the show out really helps the podcast channel as a whole out because it lets us know what you're loving and what you want to see more of i don't have a next guest i can tease just yet but we've got some things in the works and If they actually happen, I think you all are going to really dig the conversations that we're going to have. So stay tuned for more episodes of The Fourth Wall. But lastly, guys, if you like me specifically and you like what I have to say, you can give me a follow on Twitter at Griff Schiller. All right. Stay safe, everybody, and I'll catch you next time. Take care.